Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hello, and welcome to the Parting Shot Podcast, Newsweek's weekly dose of everything pop culture. I'm your host, H. Allen Scott. From celebrity interviews to exclusive features in the magazine, and of course, everything that's happening in film, TV, music, and the arts, I'm here to tell you exactly what you need to know each and every week. Let's get started. Today is a good one. Today I'll be chatting with Cecily Strong from Saturday Night Live. We talk about her favorite SNL characters, her run in Lily Tomlin and Jane Wagner's Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe, and how she's had an oddly productive pandemic, albeit a very emotional one. Also, the Academy Award nominations are officially in, and I'll be chatting with experts about the surprises, the snubs, and so much more. Personally, I'm just glad I was right about Kristen Stewart getting nominated for Spencer. Thank you very much. But before that, here's your roundup of culture stories from this week. Stick with Newsweek for full coverage of some of the biggest events happening on TV right now. Between the Winter Olympics on NBC and Celebrity Big Brother on CBS and even RuPaul's Drag Race on VH1, head to Newsweek.com for recaps and essential coverage. In the magazine, get a first look at my chat with Pamela Adlin, the creator and star of FX's Better Things. And then stick around next week so that you can listen to my chat with Pamela. Spoiler alert, you're going to be literally laughing out loud. She is so funny. Also in the magazine, Megan Gunn has a roundup of something that we all could probably use right now. Immune-boosting foods from around the world. I hope that cookie I just ate is on the list. On the website, we've been covering the crazy popular game Wordle, a game where players get six chances to guess a five-letter word. It was recently acquired by the New York Times, but this game grew in popularity crazy fast, with players posting emoji blocks on Twitter over how well they're doing. To be honest, it's too stressful for me. But are you playing? What do you love about the game? And how well are you doing? Let me know on Twitter. And finally, in the magazine, David Chu covers Tears for Fears' reunion album. If you're anything like me, you just sang to yourself, Everybody wants to rule the world. I'm sorry. I will never sing again. I promise. And of course, stay tuned to the end of this episode for my 60-second roundup of everything you need to watch, read, and look out for in pop culture next week. But first, my chat with Cecily Strong, right after this break. anybody was going to follow in the footsteps of Lily Tomlin, it would be Saturday Night Live's Cecily Strong. And that's exactly what she did with a limited run of Tomlin's award-winning performance of Jane Wagner's The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. I recently talked with Strong about her experience on the show and whether it will go on the road, and also about her surprisingly busy pandemic. 
She wrote the powerful memoir, This Will All Be Over Soon, about the loss of her cousin to cancer at the start of the pandemic. And she also starred in the Apple TV Plus musical sitcom Schmigadoon, all while still appearing on Saturday Night Live. Full disclosure, Cecily is a close friend of mine. So naturally, our exchange is, shall we say, more relaxed. You you just finished. It's it's We just finished the New York run. Hopefully, it'll go somewhere else. Hopefully, it'll go up somewhere else. But you did the search for signs of intelligent life in the universe. One of Lily Tomlin, that changed me when I was a kid. When I saw the video of it, because I didn't live in New York, so I couldn't see. Yeah, me neither. I didn't, right. What made you want to un- do that kind of undertaking? I think that sort of, I got the offer and it was sort of like, wait, is this real? <laughs> did they mean to, do they know what they're saying? Uh, and I think it was one of those things that was, you just like, you don't say no to that. Yeah. If they're willing to let you do that, you know. And who was um, they? Who was, the, was Lily involved? Lily and Jane are both involved, um, which is very exciting because now I'm, I've gotten a couple emails from Ooh. Lily and Jane and it's, do they share so an email silly. account? Because that would be fun. They do. They absolutely do. <laughs> I love it. That's so cute. I think even I think like a phone too. Wow. Um, and they sent the other day. We got. I got a forward from Jane. I think, and she said Jane Fonda sent us this refuse. So I wanted to send it along. <laughs> it was like, oh my god! And now Jane Fonda's in the mix. Okay. <laughs> I interviewed her. A couple of years ago, it was the last sort of in-person interview I did before the pandemic. Wow. And I have never been in a room that smelled so good. Like I, that makes I her perfume that. with her two little dog or one dog. I forget if there was two or one. It felt like there were a million dogs, but there was probably only one. And it was Jane Fonda is it, it you go speechless when you're in her presence. Class. Yeah. Class. And now you have that. I would love to. I bet her nails are look yes, great. Yes. She was yeah. just, just impeccable. Perfect. Impeccable. Perfect. Mm-hmm. That, so, I mean, <laughs> to be attached to a project like this project that Lily created. I mean, Lily is a god. And you, I think, oftentimes, I remember even before I knew you, I was like, she's a Lily Tomlin. Like, she's that's <laughs> who she is. Like, she's you take on a character in a way that, like, I mean, even I remember one time we were talking and you did like Ramona from from Real Housewives. And I was just like, whoa, you're Ramona. Like you be and you don't look anything like Ramona, but you become <laughs> these characters with with Search for Science of Intelligent Life. Did you how did you respond to the character? Well, I, I first of all, I will say I definitely I don't think of myself on the same level as Lily Tomlin, but I'll take any compliment. And I'm just I'm. I'm I'm a huge fan. I think she's so marvelous, marvelous, and I I also think she's, you know, she's so funny and so, you know, her comedy and her energy is so bright. But then I also think like she's she's never been shy about acting or the mm-hmm. drama parts of it too, which is you know I like I I weirdly know her sign language from the movie Nashville mm, <laughs> from yeah. like years ago because it moved me so much, and in fact. We just had a, a, a two performances of the show with um, ASL interpretation with oh. this amazing actress who's a deaf actress from this organization, Hands On. But um, it was just, it was such a, that was even more of a special experience. And I got so many messages afterwards from people because I wound up signing the last line. And it was wow. just 
one of the coolest full circle yeah. and just a beautiful, amazing experience. And this actress is unbelievable. Mm. And, and she learned the show too. I mean, she did a one woman show next to me with less light and with less time <laughs> to prepare. But, um, so it's really fascinating. Sorry for that. No, that's beautiful. Uh, my brain, my brain is very much this way these days, even more so. Um, <laughs> But I think, I mean, I've always loved characters and I think, you know, I, I did theater forever growing up and I kind of, I feel like I got in Chicago, into comedy Chicago area, because right? I like characters. Yeah. 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 And it was sort of, especially as like a 22 year old girl, there's not, you're not going to be doing a lot of character roles yeah. um, in acting theater world, but you will in comedy, you yeah. can get to play anybody. But I so and I think with a lot of these characters and and with the show in general, like looking at it on paper was very daunting. I mean, Jane's language is like what? Um, and I do feel like I am speaking another language sometimes during the show, and it feels very much like I've got to get them to understand what mm-hmm. I'm saying, you know. And it feels like I can't I can't miss a beat with this audience um, because I need them to stay with me, and they'll figure it out. We'll get it together. Yeah. Um, and I, de- you know, but Lee Silverman is our director and she's just so brilliant and kind of, she knew the show, she had seen it as an 11 year old and it sort of you wow. know, blew her mind and changed her views on theater and seeing a woman and a female writer and sound designer and seeing this woman get playing masculine and feminine and all these things, it just sort of changed her her life um and so she has that all in her when approaching the show but i definitely was sort of you know it took a while to some of these characters it was a lot of outside in work i think i would say with lee just you know because some of these parts of the show i'm three characters in one scene talking Mm -hmm. to each other and it's like i gotta make a I have to say something and then the joke is i'm my face reacting to what i've just said But as this other character and the geography of it, this person's here and this person here. And my instinct, of course, when you first are like, I'm going to be three people in the scene. You want to run to one side and then you run to the other (laughs) spot and then run to it. It was like, you know, Lee was very much like, no, you're going to do it in the same spot. Mm -hmm. And you you have to look out because the audience also has to see your face. Um, And it was just, you know, there'd be little things like I know Marge holds the cigarette. Edie's got a pool cue. Lynn is sort of, I hold her up here and then Edie's here, just little things like that. So outside in work and yeah. sort of even the, the physical specificity of a location where, you know, it was like, uh, look and see the waiter, put the drink on the table while I'm talking. So then it's people know I'm in a restaurant and that's amazing. even though I'm on this empty stage. Yeah. I mean, there's been just little things like that are so helpful and it's how it, it really is makes a whole world and people i've had so many people who've seen the show you know it's the best compliment but it's like there's you're not wearing any makeup or changing anything but i really i'm seeing it's not you anymore yeah it's like i'm seeing these different people i think i mean this is such an iconic lily tomlin role how do you make it your own well i think um i think Lily has said recently, she, you know, the reason they were open to doing this is because she she wanted people to see that it's Jane's show first and that it's it's really Jane Wagner's, uh, the writer. Yeah. And very much she did all the writing. 
And so I am not uh, like uh, I dynamic physical energy virtuoso, like Lily Tom, I'm not standing on my head at all in this show. Um, and I think so already it's, it's a different approach, but the same material, but a lot of people that have seen the show when Lily did it. And when I did it have said, you made it your own. I mean, it's different. Um, because I, more that I just like, I can't do that big physical and we don't have the same, this, we have a lot of, you know, our sound design is amazing, um, but it's not, we're not using, if you, you saw the video of Lily. Yeah. So there's so much, it's like, bop, 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 bop. And I think I've enjoyed just really uh, sitting in these characters and sitting with these lines a bit more. And, and just, that's, it's just sort of because we're two different performers. It's the way I feel a character and the way it's, I mean, it's hard to explain. Also, a modern interpretation. I don't. I can't explain like her process. Right, a modern interpretation, and being and Lee and I worked on. Well, who is this? I kept saying, I want to know who this person is in our world Mm -hmm. now to make sure I'm. I get it, and it was sort of. I mean, the easiest. The character Agnes Angst, who's a 14 year old punk poet, and in my head, it was like you know she's kind of like Billie Eilish, this sort of spoken word performance art. Um, but it was like, I think that was the least amount of change, I think, yeah. because it's like, oh, you know what? Teenagers are going to be teenagers. They're going to be teenagers. They're going to be angry and hurt and make art about it yeah. and feel like, fuck you. Yeah. In the 80s, in the 90s, in the 2000s, in yeah. the, wherever we are. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. No, the other thing that I think. I mean, I so you wrote a book last year, and which I I loved. This will all be over soon, and it was a it was kind of a memoir, kind of essays. It was a mix of a lot of things, and it was very much in the tone of how I think Jane Wagner writes. In that she, you know, with the show, that she she it's there can be moments of your personality coming through in the writing, but at the same time, at some point, it'll just slap you in the face with emotion. You know what I mean? That you'll get hit with something that that you weren't expecting in, in a moment and, and you're feeling something, which I think is probably the best thing about comedy to me, is that it can take you in those directions. And I wanted to know if like if that was a big part of how you responded to the show, to the search for science, just because there is that sort of curve of emotion that hits you and you don't expect it, don't you think? Oh, it's absolutely. I mean, my that's one of the words I use constantly when describing the show is just how much of a surprise it is and going through that with the audience, hearing the moments that they're surprised. It's sort of, I think Lee described it once as we're kind of setting you up for 45 minutes and we're, it seems like a lot of jokes and maybe like throwaway things, but I'm, I'm putting things in your head and your ear yeah. for you to remember. And the payoffs for all these things are just so special. And you, can hear the moments it's happening in the audience that yeah. night when they're just the connection. They're making this connection and going, Oh wait, that's, Oh wait, this show isn't what I thought it is. Oh, oh wait. I'm, and then I'll, and it's like just that, just the act of making those connections can mm-hmm. make somebody start bawling. And it's, I think part of it is also because we've not, gotten to have human connection a lot in the past two years and especially not in a theater and not sitting together and it's such a generous show i've never 
scene that the kind of generosity the ending of this show has that Jane wrote, mm-hmm. where it really and especially right now in New York with Omicron, the fact that this audience is coming to see this show tonight. It's yeah. like we're very much in it together. And I'm thanking them for being there with me as much as they're thanking me yeah. by being there. Um, and it really is. We are. It feels very connected. And it's always a surprise. And I love a sh- I love anything that does surprise you. That doesn't feel like it's telling you this is where you laugh. This is where you cry. This is where you get angry. It's sort of, I I think it's so much more special to happen upon it, to feel like you're happening upon it yourself and to let it be you that's leading it. You watching that's, and it's so much I more, think, you know, sweet. you you hear one person laughing and one person crying at the same yeah. time in the show. And it's so like, that's when I know, like, I'm doing it right. This is the right show. Which, I mean, I think, and I think you hit the right note right there with, it is so much sweeter post the pandemic. Every piece of live art is almost, you know, more special now because mm-hmm. of everything that I think happened and everything that we went through. I don't, I don't think, I think for the next 10 years or something we're going to have we're not going to take for granted these moments of theater of art of comedy of whatever it is and and people are experiencing that at the show I think absolutely and in New York you know it's just it was it felt like a comet hits the earth because all of a sudden it's you know a hundred people who all got sick on this day I mean you're it's changing by hour it's not even by day um and it's so that's such a scary feeling and there was there's so much trauma in everybody i think with uh covid and getting shut down again with omicron but it was and i had people texting me like oh here we go march 2020 all over again yeah new york's just dying or something it was like no we're not and it's not march 2020 and we've got masks and we've got we're back and it was like then you went outside and i saw people on the street the next day most people are in masks and they're going to work and they're going to see this play. I, we have a night. We've had a good house every night. And it's just like, this is important to us as a species and yeah. as a city. That's yeah. like, we have to do this. And even outside of the shed, there's this um, this structure they built. I forget what it's called. Mm. It's really this new. It's just really a piece of art that you can walk through. But they wound up shutting it down because there were suicide oh, yes during yeah. the pandemic and it's like that's right outside yeah knowing like that's what it's doing to us and then being inside the theater on the other side of that and being like this is how we're taking care of our spirit tonight mm-hmm. with each other and the title is so i think on point in a way for 2022 and that like we are kind of searching again for something we're searching mm-hmm. for a sign of a new life in a lot of ways, a new reality, a new tomorrow in a lot of ways. Right. Don't you think? Yes. And I mean, and it's sort of everybody in this show is kind of looking for meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're looking for these things that we think if I find, if I understand what that is, then I'll feel better. And this show is sort of this yeah. little hug. That's like, I don't, I think maybe you're not going to find out what that means. And yeah. so, but let me tell you that that feels great. Let me show you what else you can, what else you can do? Let me show you another thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of wild. I mean, I was thinking about this this morning that over the course of the pandemic, you have done so much. You have 
you, you've, of course, appeared on one of the most popular television shows on TV right now, SNL. You wrote a book. You did another TV show that you also produced and wrote on and like. You did, oh, no, I didn't. You, write. Well, I, you, I, can't, yeah, I cannot take credit. Yeah. Well, but, you know, the characters were written around you. So you, your personality <laughs> was definitely a force in the writer's room. <laughs> and, and you, you, Schmigadoon, I'm talking about. And, and then, of course, this show. And like. It just seems like you've had the most productive pandemic and the most emotional pandemic I think possible. And we've been on the ride with you in a lot of ways through uh-huh. all of it. Don't you think? Yeah. I mean, and, I, and those probably, I think they are connected. And I think, you know, I always, I still say with my cousin, I think it was like my losing Owen in January, yeah. 2020 was, that was a, that was like the start of the, earthquake that just like mm-hmm. my rocked the world rocked and he passed from planet earth from cancer towards the beginning of the yeah. yeah yeah right um and it was like then two months later the the pandemic hit and it was just sort of i feel like i it, you know in a very if i were to try to say it in the simplest terms it's just you know seeing how precious and like fleeting I guess life can be or maybe how less time we had it just felt like I needed to let go of whatever I could that was yeah not um that was hindering me and at least in like my terms of my happiness Mm -hmm. or peace or I think so I think I've just like I've got less sharp edges you know it was sort of I want to be less cynical Mm. more open to the happiness that can be found in that day. And I think um, that's sort of been this amazing, it's sort of in letting myself be open, these things have come in somehow. Yeah. Uh, And I feel very lucky and I'm, I'm excited to do, to get to be excited and surprised and, you know, and not go, well, this is how my career should look. This is how my life should look. And instead of letting those things, be weaponized by myself against mm-hmm. myself because I, what I don't do and what I don't have, what I haven't done, the, you know, uh, the buzz that I don't have, it was sort of <laughs> like, that's not helping me at all. Yeah. Um, and I shouldn't, why use those parameters in life when this life is this fuzzy, yeah, blurry thing anyway, that those and- things, those parameters don't matter anymore because that doesn't exist. That world doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And I mean, you always create buzz in my world whenever we text. So <laughs> you're, you're always being buzzed about. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I have my own buzzy world. It's just sort of like, I don't need to worry about making it the same as the other world. Yeah. The time. How do you balance doing SNL with everything else that you do? Like how, how does that, how does that work? It's- you don't. I mean, there's not a balance is the thing. I'm I'm not a balanced person. You you <laughs> I know. truly go like you truly go like today is November first and here's what I'm going to do today. Yeah. And then I'll tell you and then we'll talk tomorrow about tomorrow. Um <laughs> and it's like yeah, it was like I would do a one day a week with Lee where mm-hmm. we would just read through a bunch and uh and then we went full in on November twenty second and I just sort of I tried not to think about anything else. And I yeah. told everybody, don't contact me. I'm not doing anything. <laughs> like, I'm not doing press. I'm not even. But and then they were like, you have to do some press. And I was like, don't talk show. to me until I learn this show. And I was like, my memory, 
My memory castle is a full-on maze. But you still did because... SNL during that time, didn't you? You appeared in some things. Oh, yes. I showed up. <laughs> uh, I went to dress. I did. I showed up to do dress and air after yeah. our tech rehearsal that Saturday um, yeah. before the the last one that got canceled anyway. But and it was sort of like as this, you know, it was tough over there that last week. And I this, this show kept me from being over there, um, which was sort of a, I don't know my brain. I I think it was a lot of like a, tra- a traumatic time for a lot of people. Yeah. It's just, I mean, this, the Omicron is just anything happening this fast that you don't see that really does feel like, you know, a, a cosmic event Yeah, that it's very, very unsettling. And it's, but again, Lee Silverman, my director, she came in, it was sort of, I'm watching all of these people I know, they're sick and it feels like what's happening is the world it's it's like at my windows now mm-hmm. you know it's at the door and it feels very much uh, i just started crying and she was like are you okay and then she said the shed and i t- we are behind this show and you 100 percent will do this show if there's two people because C- i was like i just can't lose this i can't yeah. lose this one thing it's keeping me sane, sane right now yeah it's, it's keeping me afloat and alive and um so i don't know I don't know how that answered whatever the question was. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll ask a more you know, specific. No, I'm like my show. I know. I'm telling you, I can't answer that question, but I'll take you on this. I mean, that's journey. something that I love about you is that you never know where we're gonna go, <laughs> and I'm always down for the ride. <laughs> uh, you like to play. I do I like, like to play. play too. I like to bounce. We we like to volley. Yeah, <laughs> an industry I term. Love that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so on SNL, your characters. Uh, I'm going to end on this because I one thing that my boyfriend and I do, which you know, is that we obsessively just YouTube old clips of you and just like it's like you're there for the evening. I mean, you've spent so many evenings with us; it's almost like you're part of the relationship, <laughs> which is uncomfortable. It's um, a better version of me. It's <laughs> but you. <laughs> what I find with a lot of your characters is that it does seem like the voice is sort of where it all kind of starts for you because each even with like judge named Piero or marjorie taylor green or anyone you have these sort of vocal twitches in your voice that like really define the character how do you when you're supposed to be doing someone that is a, a real person that we all know how do you approach finding that character um you've said that before and i found it so interesting especially with the process of search and yeah. making characters different in my voice. Um, I don't think it's even like a thing I'm maybe consciously thinking about, but I definitely, I do find it fun that we, that, you know, I went to, I paid all this money to learn. <laughs> I took a voice class at my very expensive college for four years. So it's <laughs> like, may as well use some of that stuff. Uh, but I think it is, you know, for me, it's just one of the things maybe that I love that I find interesting in people. And it's mm-hmm. like the things that will stand out to me. And even like, it, does someone have a sibilant S? Does someone have a, do they, just like the way a person's mouth is shaped changes yeah. their, so it's kind of like, if I know someone's mouth is shaped in a certain way, then like, that's how they're going to talk. And I remember I, th- I had a, uh, one, we had a, class at school that was just but we had like a month on dialects or something Mm -hmm. and it was 
the the idea of where you're putting your you know where the resonation is in your mouth and yeah. in your face and it was like how some things are like you know right this part like british accent like putting something up yeah the front of your face and your nose and then like you know like american and is very like in your throat back yeah. here and just even things like that they're like oh i can feel that that's like a scientific thing and it changes the way you sound so i think i'm just really nerdy about all of that and it yeah. And enjoy playing with it. I mean, when you had, and I know this was part of the script, but you had to then interpret that when you were doing Marjorie Taylor Greene and the sneeze and how she was <laughs> she got possessed at some point when she said uh-huh. sneezed or something. I don't remember the exact uh, yeah. how it worked, but then the way your body contorted every time you sneezed as if like a devil was coming out of you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I was... I was trying to write that sorry my dog is no worries we love jealous puppies. or something yeah um I, I was writing that with brian tucker i think i sent him a video that day and i was like who, what who, is this funny what is she did just because it is like the absurdity i just need things to be silly at a time when nothing yeah. is fucking funny and these situations aren't funny at all so it's like all right well what if we just go <laughs> you know sort of <laughs> And then it was like, maybe she does that when she sneezes. <laughs> and it was like, okay. And then we'll, so then it's like, oh, because she's possessed by a devil. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we've, you know, that the explanation came afterwards. But it was more like, it's fun to, to do something big and silly. Yeah. And like, can we make it work? Because, you know, and also with an audience, I think you kind of have to earn that too yeah. before they let you just go there. Be, because it's very self-indulgent <laughs> in my case. Well, so if you had to, I love it. If you had to do a almost like a search for signs of your own characters, you know, if you had to do your own show mm-hmm. with characters that you've done on SNL, what like four characters do you just love that you would love to do a live show with? Oh god, I don't know. There would be so many. I mean, I, I definitely love Gemma. Yeah, Gemma's um, my favorite. I mean, I, I love Kathy Ann, but I love, I mean, I love Southern women in general. Just, I enjoy, I, this is why I like weird, shitty reality TV is because I'm like, <laughs> oh, I've never seen a specimen so amazing. I'm like upset. I'm like the only person I know in my circle that watches Love After Lockup and mwah, <laughs> Chef's Kiss. That is, I mean, some of the, the best people I've ever seen on TV. They're not going to, you're not going to see those people on any other show. I need to see who's writing to prisoners and falling in love with them. (laughs) And they are moving in afterwards. I want to see how they love and live. Um, So that's a lot of inspiration for me. Well, I wanted to thank you for doing this. You're obviously one of my favorites. I want to thank you for doing this. No, don't thank me. I adore you. No, I'm thanking you. (laughs) It's great. It's always great talking to you. so excited to have Cameron Sheets here to talk about all the Oscar snubs and surprises, which is like kind of the best part of the Oscar <laughs> nomination season. Don't you think, Cameron? Yeah, it absolutely is. I mean, what 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 is it all about? It's all about us like arguing online about who yeah. missed out. And that's yeah. that's why they do this awards every year. These awards. Totally. Every year. <laughs> I mean, if there's nothing better than just getting in fights with people about who deserved a nomination. Exactly. 
And I think probably my favorite fight to watch on Twitter right now over the Oscar nominations is why was Lady Gaga not nominated? I love it reminds me of when I was a kid, a real little kid. And Madonna didn't get a nomination for Evita and people collectively freaked out. It's very reminiscent of that. Wow, that is maybe, I hadn't thought of that yet, but that's probably the perfect one-to-one comparison. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone's always comparing them anyway, so why not this part? Yeah, like, of course. Were, were you surprised at like how House of Gucci only got one nomination for hairstyle and makeup? I guess ultimately surprised that it did just get one nomination. I think it's kind of, you know, the whole other conversation, but it is kind of a surprise to not see it show up in costume design either, but... Yeah, I mean, it felt in a lot of ways with the precursors and whatnot that we were trending towards a Gaga nom. And I think, yeah. you know, she tried her damnedest to make oh. that happen. She went on Jimmy Kimmel. Lady Gaga went on Jimmy Kimmel. Like, yep. I mean, you know, she's really pushing at that point when she's like, <laughs> I'll do the regular shows. Why not? <laughs> I have to say, like, feelings aside about the the nomination pool, like, bravo. I mean, let's hand out awards to Gaga for the campaign she put in yeah. because... That was yeah. probably the most entertaining thing of the year. It was, I mean, it was probably more entertaining than the film, but that's a personal opinion. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, the film was very camp, but I mean, it also was like, I mean, well, if you, if she was very actorly, so maybe, maybe yeah. she did get robbed. I don't know. I personally, we'll get to the best actress one. So I won't even say what I personally am. Glad about <laughs> best actress ones, but let's go down the list. So sure. for best supporting actor there, I was actually both supporting actor and supporting actress. Those two categories seemed like locks to me. You know what I mean? They seemed like mm, there were mm-hmm. expected nominees. I'm not going to be surprised by anything. Of course, the the campaign's going to be tight, but like yeah. I expected certain people to definitely get it. And there were surprises in both categories. Mm-hmm. I mean, is- yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like we had kind of a few front runners, but there was uh, there was some alternates, and it was I was like. How did J.K. Simmons get in there? And Jesse, I mean, <laughs> I love that Jesse Plemons and Kirsten Dunst are nominated. They're a couple nominated oh, at the same man. time. I love that. That's beautiful to see. But also, like, how did he get nominated? Like, I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do want to say the narrative of yesterday for me was the his and hers nominations yes. for Jesse yeah. and Kirsten. And then, of course, Penelope and Javier, like regardless of what i think yeah it's just it's so beautiful like that's what we want and i they better show up in coordinating outfits i'm hoping someone does like the i want them in tuxedo moment oh my god yes Yes. i want them in the same limo i want them to get out and i want kirsten and penelope just like laughing together just like i know and we're not in on the joke but they're they came together so they know the joke yeah you know that's what i want I do think that they have been bonded for life just because to bring up Gaga again, they were both on that round table where she went off about getting drunk off the prop drinks. Which was probably the funniest video I think I saw last (laughs) year. All all of the actresses reacting to Lady Gaga. I love Lady Gaga, but... I don't want to have brunch with her. I definitely don't want to have brunch with Lady Gaga. Ooh, I, I might. I'd be like, regale me for hours. I know she could. Um, but so the nominees for Best Supporting Actor went to Syrian Hines, who's expected for Belfast, mm-hmm. uh, Troy Coster for Coda, another expe- expected nomination, and Cody Smith McPhee for The Power of the Dog. But the other two, Jesse and JK, were definite surprises. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not having Jamie Dornan on that list from Belfast. He was another one that I thought was definitely going to get it. Yeah, I mean, he seemed like he was on the bubble, but that's the thing. There were so many folks that were on the bubble here. I mean, you look at these yeah. precursors. We had 
Jared Leto showing up a few times over, I think, surprisingly to some, but not surprising at all to others. Um, Bradley yeah. Cooper for Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Even Ben Affleck in The Tender Bar, which no one saw, oh, but... No one. I'm so glad he did not get a nomination. I mean, I love the Ben and J-Lo moment. Yeah, we like, support that. Come on, Ben. Just keep getting Dunkin' Donuts. Um, <laughs> all those pictures of him buying Dunkin' Donuts. Yes, of course. Uh, so Best Supporting Actress, there's, there, the expected nominees did get the nomination for Ariana DeBose for West Side Story and Kirsten Dunst, of course, for The Power of the Dog and uh, Ajanine Ellis. Did I say her, na- her name correctly? Ajanine? Ajanine. Ajanine. Yes. I always say Ajanine. I don't know why. Um, Ellis nice. for King Richard. But the two surprise nominations were Judy Dench for Belfast. Everyone thought the other woman in the film was going to get yeah. the She had won all the other awards. I mean, that was definitely a shock to me. I mean, it, but this is another one of those. She, Judy's one of those people that, you know, the Academy continually loves to reward. And she won an it, Oscar for eight minutes of screen time. Uh, yeah, right. And you're in love. How? <laughs> I w- I'm curious what her screen time is in Belfast. I mean, I think she has some affecting scenes, but it is. It's hard to compare her to Katrina because yeah, Katrina does have the meteor part here i mean she's she's little billy buddy buddy's yeah. mother so like yeah. she, she she's got the big emotional moments and um but if judy did yeah, shows up on screen she gets an oscar nomination that's just how it it's goes how it the works. other surprise was jesse buckley for the lost yes. daughter no one saw that coming yeah that that was definitely one of those ones that maybe up until a few days prior no one really seemed to see it's interesting i mean i think that that shows um a lot of support for that film and it makes me think even more that i mean olivia coleman and not to already get into actress but like yeah. she has a pretty good chance at winning this just because Which that's such a tight race be wild it doesn't i mean well we'll, we'll get to best actress. <laughs> right. um so let's get to the most boring one which i'm sorry <laughs> for anyone listening but the best actor race is probably the most boring race this year only because from the get-go, it was expected who was going to win. The nominees were expected. And thus, the people who were nominated got the nomination. Right, right. It is, It is. I don't, and, and maybe this is just because <laughs> I am a gay man and I'm inclined this way, but this is just not, I, I'm not passionate about these performances. I think there are great ones. And I think we've had years where there are folks that are nominated that I'm like, why are they here? That is oh, yeah. an affront. Yeah, totally. Um, I think these are this is these are strong nominees. I, yeah. you know, I, it's probably neck and neck between Benedict and 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 Will Smith, and yeah. I think they both do great work in, in their films. And I think I'm it's a, Will Smith's year. It's Will yeah. Smith's year. I mean, it, this is it, his it third is. nomination, I think. And yes, yeah. And he was nominated for King Richard, um, Benedict Cumberbatch for Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield for Tick Tick Boom, and Denzel Washington for Tragedy and Macbeth. And then the surprise one, but not a huge surprise, was Javier Bardem for being the Ricardos, mm-hmm. which. I thought was deserved, you know. Yeah, that's, I mean, you look at like who maybe some of the swings are, like who could have made it in over him. I know Peter Dinklage was talked about for Cyrano, but that's one of those films that also is just like not many people have seen it yet. I mean, maybe the Academy has, but it's just not really been widely available. So that -hmm. would have kind of been a strange one too. So, I mean, Javier Bardem, again, gets in. I think he's someone that people like. He's he's been awarded before a number of times. And it shows some support for the Ricardos, film. right? Yeah, yeah even even though it didn't show up in screenplay, like Sorkin didn't himself get nominated. Which Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin didn't get nominated for screenplay, which is wild because that's what he does. <laughs> yeah, 
right? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little, he does a little too much of it, you could say. Yeah. <laughs> if yeah. I'm going to read maybe it. Maybe do less <laughs> words and let the actors <laughs> act. Um, so, the best actress category, probably between best actress and best supporting actress category, those are the two most exciting categories this year yeah. because it is kind of unexpected who might win. I mean, it's there's there's it's not so clear. And again, you have Olivia Coleman back for The Lost Daughter. This is her third nomination in four years, which is insane. Jessica yeah. Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, who she probably kicked Lady Gaga off the nomination list for for House of Gucci, which. I fully support because if Penelope Cruz shows up in anything, I'm there. Even Sex in the City too. I'm like, why didn't she get a Best Supporting Actress? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I want her in that. Um, uh, Nicole Kidman for being the Ricardos, and the one that I am so happy she got nominated was uh, Kristen Stewart for. Yes, Spencer. I'm glad we see eye to eye on that. I think she's phenomenal in that film, and it's it's been. It's been divisive, and I think maybe a big part of that is because, like, from the minute people first saw that role, they were like, she's a lock, you know, she's the front runner, and yeah. it's just become less and less so. I mean, I, I don't I, get why. I don't understand why. To me, it screams Oscar, and not in, like, the cheesy way. It, it screams in sort of the, oh, yeah, give her an Oscar for this. This is a great performance. Yeah, it's it's transformative. It's from this this actor. I mean, there is like such a narrative there in the way that like Kristen Stewart to the general eye, if they haven't been paying attention, is still the Twilight. She's still Bella Swan to a lot of people. And I love her. But, you know, that wasn't her best work. And so there's this narrative of, of I mean, God, she really, really, really invested herself in this role. She was such a I mean, I've listened to, you know, so many interviews she's done and yeah. talked about her relationship with, with the director and how, how they really worked at this together. Like, there's so much of herself in this in yeah. a way that um, it's hard not to to want to celebrate it. Yeah, it's, I mean, I interviewed her and in and, and talking with her, it was sort of, it was, it was an experience of here's an actor who genuinely was fully committed to this. And she didn't yes. go in as a Princess Diana stan. You know, she, mm-hmm. she... She learned to really find the woman. And you see that in the film. And to me, I mean, to me, my favorite performance from Kristen Kristen Stewart ever is Panic Room. And in a weird way, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think Spencer is kind of Panic Room, too, in a lot of ways, because she's running around trying to escape, but she can't escape this family. (laughs) And it's it's very that. Um, Yeah. Talk about Nicole Kidman, because Nicole Kidman is Nicole Kidman and Olivia Coleman. And Kristen Stewart, I think, are the three that are in the rotation of who could win here. And mm-hmm. Nicole Kidman has a lot of momentum going into this because she is an actress who hasn't won in 20 years. She is sort of Hollywood royalty in a lot of ways. Yeah. And she's playing someone who is also Hollywood royalty. It's kind of like a Judy Garland, Renee Zellweger moment yep. where would they want to award this because everyone loves Lucille Ball. What do you th- do you think she could win? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, if I had to predict right now, I probably would put the money on Nicole winning. I yeah. mean, she's just also one of those people that, she, well, as you said, Hollywood royalty, of course. Nicole in a room, in a in, like she could be at you know an awards event, an FYC event. It's just hard to deny her. I mean, she yeah. is just so magnetic. And so... And she's also someone that, you know, she's going to put the work in. And she is just so kind of effortlessly effortlessly yeah. charming. She is going to just win people over just by nature of being on the campaign trail. Totally. And it is kind of the plot twist of the season because people are, did not expect being the Ricardos totally. to be a great performance for Nicole. And in fact, they, they assumed it was going to be a joke. And it turned out to be, I mean, I was 
in watching it very surprised at how well she did. Like, yeah, totally. Right. You want to talk narratives like there's there's the one right there. She came and surprised everybody like we all <laughs> doubted her. We all saw those early picks and we're like, well, I don't know about that. But <laughs> yeah, don't doubt the one Nicole. person who did not surprise us this season is Olivia Coleman. I am surprised yeah. that The Lost Daughter is as as recognized as it is. I thought it was a it was a decent film. I was a little put off by the doll, but it was. <laughs> I thought Maggie Gyllenhaal did a really great job and I'm, I'm glad she got the nomination for screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was surprised because Olivia Coleman is, she's not a typical actress in that she's not a Nicole Kidman. She's not doing roles like that in a lot of ways, but she is sort of always the underdog, always mm-hmm. the one that you don't expect to win. She had that, that year she won with the favorite where she was between Lady Gaga, Glenn Close and Olivia Coleman snuck in there and won. And again, I mean, here she's coming back and she could potentially win because she's on top of the list for so many lists for The Lost Daughter. Do you mm-hmm, think she could mm-hmm. maybe topple Nicole in this one? She does seem like the outside shot at it. I mean, it is such a it's such an affecting natural performance from her. Yeah. It is, you know, it's kind of interesting to think she won for for this like for the favorite I mean, yeah. she brings such a naturalism to that, too. But that is kind of this bigger showier role. You know, we've yeah. got a lot of great scenes of her yelling, crying, having these fits. This one's a little quieter and it's a different side yeah. of her. And um, seeing her know, tell someone just... that they, they can't sit with her is probably a great. <laughs> I mean, that is like yeah. a, that is a mood that I want to exist in a mood like emote all the time. Yeah, there is a relatability to it, too. And I mean, yes, it is kind of a thornier film in some of its themes and subject matter. But like, mm, who who hasn't been like annoyed at loud kids yeah. in the movie theater, you know? Yeah. And I mean, historically, there there are there is a precedent for actresses winning sort of sort of back to back Oscars. I mean, she mm-hmm. had a Best Supporting Actress nomination in the middle there. But like Sally Field for yeah. she won just f- five years apart. Her Oscars were Norma Rae and Places in the Heart. And Hilary Swank, another one for Boys Don't Cry and then for A Million Dollar Baby. That was only like five years apart, five, six years apart. So there's precedent for an actress coming back and doing this. It's rare. It's very rare. But like it could happen and it would be an exciting moment. But Frances McDormand's another example of a back. Yeah, true. True. Um, So best director, again, kind of like best actor in that. It's not boring because it was awesome to see Jane Campion win power for the power of the dog. And it's so expected that she will be the winner yeah. for best director. But what is exciting is it is the first time in Academy history where women, two women back to back will win best director potentially, which is God. so wild to think about. Yeah. It's taken this long. Jesus. I mean, it's so deserved that to me, power of the dog is the movie of the year. And, yeah. you know, as I kind of like, browse over the categories and kind of determine, well, personally, what's what would get my vote if I were a voter? And it's yeah. for every category it's there. It's probably Power of the Dog. It's such an accomplishment. And to hear from the cast, to hear from the, you know, the crew that she's worked with, just kind of the way she runs the set and sets the tone, it's, it's, you know, if there are, if you're a fan of that movie, it's hard to not want to give her this award because it is yeah. just so her vision. Yeah, and she's the first woman to be nominated twice for Best Director, and she was the second woman ever to be nominated for Best Director, and she could be the third woman to win, which is just like, talk about glass ceilings being broken in Campion. Did you see my favorite bit of like, (laughs) my favorite bit of news yesterday? There's all these reactions to to the nominations. 
I, someone asked her, I, I don't even actually know what the question was, but she mentioned like there wasn't going to be a meal there, so she was going to bring carrots. She oh, was like, yeah. What kind of carrots should I bring? Raw carrots or steamed carrots? I was like, this is this is the Oscar <laughs> chatter I want to hear. Imagine someone with a little Ziploc bag. You know, I'm hoping it's like a Valentine's Day themed bag or something. And she's just oh, yeah. on like, you know, like steamed carrots, smelly steamed carrots mm. with a little bit of salt. Yum. I, well, Yum is questionable. I've been but, saying I want a campion cam. We need like the camera on her all <laughs> night. I need on her table. I need to know what's going on. <laughs> That's perfect. Um, so now best picture. Best picture. There are 10 nominees this year, which is just like a bit overwhelming. Uh, <laughs> what what it there were some surprises in there. The fact that being the Ricardos, since it did get so much acting mm. love, you would, it's surprising that it didn't get a nomination for best picture. Um, but also what's surprising is that of the 10 acting or of the 10 nominees for best picture, very few of them have films with acting nominations, which is yeah. weird. It doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, that is strange. I, I I would love to see some stats on on how often it kind of pans out that way. And I, I mean, I I wonder why that is. I mean, you, you look at some of these on here and they have, these are like great ensemble pieces. They, they have yeah. great leads and it yeah. just, it didn't happen. I Don't look why. up. Drive my car. Mm -hmm. Dune. Licorice Pizza. Nightmare Alley. I mean, these are films that like have big actors and that are big yeah. performances, and none of them received acting nominations. And even the ones that did, I mean, The Power of the Dog, of course, got a ton of acting nominations, but the other ones were just like one or two nominations each. West Side Story, King Richard, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Coda, one nomination. Belfast, a few nominations. Like it's it's rare. And yeah. It's uh, it's exciting to see. I mean, Drive My Car was probably the biggest surprise. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that's incredible. I will admit to you, and I'm ashamed to say this uh, on record, but that is the one of the big nominees I haven't seen yet. And it's because oh! I want to set the time aside to go to the theater and see this thing. I mean, but it is like three. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, have to see it. I know. I'm ashamed. <laughs> that's like the worst dentist appointment ever. Like three <laughs> hours. Like uh, that's a that's a lot of time. But it's it's worth it because the film is great. Yeah, but. I'm I'm so I'm so enthralled with the support it's received. I mean, not to mention, you know, best picture but to show up in best director, to show up in screenplay yeah. too. That's that's not something we see a lot of for these international titles and I think if there is like a bigger overarching story about the nominations is we are starting to slowly see more and more of these international yeah. features kind of make their way into these other categories. I would love if for once, they could also get acting nominations, too. I think that that's yeah. kind of been like, that's kind of the next hurdle. But it's amazing exactly. to see. Yeah. And you see, I mean, the the power of the international market with like yeah. shows like Squid Games or like in past winners, you know, this these past few years, like the international market is becoming a major dominant factor in the U.S. market, which mm -hmm. is wild to see. Were there any films that you were surprised didn't make the list for Best Picture? That I was surprised. Um, I, it did kind of play out the way I expected. I mean, you mentioned uh, being the Ricardos. I think like if, if you were to like, I do wonder what was number 10? What was like right on the edge? And I, there's part of me that felt like there wasn't a ton of chatter or support for um, Nightmare Alley up until yeah. like, I think it showed up pretty well nomination day, but I think that, that was maybe kind of on the edge and you could see, right, being the Ricardos, maybe even the Lost Daughter since it got those acting nominations yeah. show up. Um, tick, tick, boom, even I think some folks were, were saying, but honestly, this is as, as you know, someone that kind of is constantly consuming predictions yeah. and, and pieces on who's going to make it in. This feels not entirely surprising this time, yeah. Yeah. but it, I think it's a fun 
field, there's a lot, we're getting a lot of different, I don't know, a lot of different vibes for lack totally. of a better way to put it. Well, so I'll, I'll, I'll end on this because the one thing that like Oscar nerds like us freak out about <laughs> is new members of the EGOT community yeah. and Lin-Manuel Miranda will likely, if he does win for best, I think he's nominated for score and song, I believe. Um, but if he wins one of those, he will be a new EGOT, mm-hmm. which is insane and exciting i mean do you think he has chances he could become an egot this year yeah it's strong i mean god it's so hard to deny what like a, a, a almost a price hit encanto has been since it basically went on disney plus i felt like it's theatrical yeah. run it got some good notes but was kind of quiet but it's been such a smash and i mean the song that is nominated los Oraguitos is is beautiful it's not we don't talk beautiful. about bruno um yeah. but I, I think that there is like a there's an emotion to that song that mm-hmm. oh, I mean I I love Beyonce's song from King Richard yeah. Be Alive but I think that there's just that's such an easier song to connect to on an emotional level yeah. and I, I think that that kind of makes him if not the front runner he might be right behind uh, No Time to Die Billie Eilish just by nature yeah. of those Bond songs doing well lately but. I'm sorry. I, I love a Beyonce. I love a Billie Eilish, but I don't think you can deny Lin-Manuel Miranda's sort of, he's just been. It's been a forward. year. Yeah. It's been a year. He's passed I mean, with Tick Boom, with Mary right. Poppins. I mean, he's really, there's the domination of Lin-Manuel will, will continue <laughs> on Oscar night. And I can't stop talking about Bruno. And I'm so glad you can't either. Cameron, thanks for doing that. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. I was laughing. I was like, you you, you asked if I want to talk about the big entertainment news this week, and I thought you meant the Gumby reimagining that Fox was planning. And so here we are talking Oscars. I wasn't prepared, but... (laughs) (laughs) Gumby. Now, your roundup of everything you need to watch, read, and look out for in pop culture next week in under 60 seconds. There's a lot going on, so prepare to be entertained. Start the clock. On TV, the Winter Olympics continue to keep people glued to their sets or devices. It's 2022. Yeah, devices. If you want to watch a warmer sport, watch the Super Bowl on NBC. I'll be watching for the commercials and the halftime show. Also this week, Peacock has Bel Air, the reimagining of the Will Smith 90s sitcom Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Hulu's Dollface returns for its second season. And finally, Showtime has a three-part docuseries, Everything's Going to Be All White, an exploration of race in America from people of color. In music, Mary J. Blige is back with the album Good Morning Gorgeous, and the band Alt-J will release their new album The Dream. At the movies, we've got J-Lo's Marry Me, about a pop star struggling with love, also known as The Life of J-Lo. Kenneth Branagh has The Death on the Nile, the glamorous adaptation of the Agatha Christie novel. Liam Neeson has the thriller Blacklight, and the animated film The Amazing Morris hits theaters. So there's something for everyone this week. What did I miss? Let me know what you're watching this week. You can find me at H. Allen Scott on everything. And thanks for listening to the Parting Shot podcast. For more on the latest news and podcasts, head to Newsweek.com and follow Newsweek on all social platforms. I'll be back next week with a seriously funny chat with Pamela Adlin, the star, creator, director, writer, producer, the list goes on, of the FX series Better Things. She's great. You're going to love that conversation. Until then, have a great week. 